0: You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's jump into the Word of God. Uh, uh, The Lord laid a passage on my heart, and I pray that it blesses you uh, from the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Bear with me tonight. I'm going to read somewhat of a lengthy text, but I'm sure we'll be okay. In the Old Testament, they would read the entire law every day. Amen? And the people would stand while they read it. So surely we can read about ten verses. Amen? Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 4. Paul, the apostle, is the writer of this letter. Uh, And... Notice the words, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man, thinking that he whereof might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, Paul is saying, if anyone could boast about accomplishments, it could be him. If anyone could boast about who they were, it would be Paul. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I also suffered the loss of many things. And do count them but dung, that I might win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering being conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I might apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to Take a subject tonight from the 10th verse, the words of Paul, that I may know him, that I may know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight and we praise you for the opportunity, the privilege to come and to stand before your people once again. Lord, we ask for the anointing. We ask for the help of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, the guidance of the Spirit to rest upon us and the people. And Lord, we give you the praise tonight, and we give you the glory, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Just for a few moments tonight, I want to tell you a story of a young man, a young Jewish boy, by the name of Saul. Saul... Of course, we read the Old Testament and we hear the name Saul, we think of the king of Israel, we think of the first king of Israel. And as you read through the Bible, you come to find many characters in the Old Testament and as you read through the history of Jerusalem and the, the nation of Israel, you will come to the conclusion of a man named Jesus Christ the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the greatest story ever told. And then born sometime in that part of the world was a young man by the name of Saul who came from Tarsus, a little tribe called Benjamin. He grew up very wealthy. His family was wealthy. And if you notice his life, Paul, of course, his name later becomes Paul, But I want to talk to you about Saul for just a few moments, who he was before he wrote these great epistles. And I think that helps us to understand this text when Paul says he gave up some things. When Paul says, I count all of those things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Paul wasn't just throwing out words. Paul was actually saying, I gave up some things for my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that begs the question to all of us as I get into this, have we given up anything for that pearl of great price? Or are we willing to give up some things? Are we willing to uh, say that now we are identified and we are not ashamed to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ? A rich young man raised in Tarsus, one of the rich towns of that part of the world, he was a Roman citizen. His family owned a lot of things. And uh, Paul, as you look at his childhood, the Bible uh, gives us some indication into who he was and where he was from. But, uh, you know, his parents were very proud of him. His parents sent him to the university there, the University of Tarsus. And he was trained under the great teachings of a man by the name of Gamaliel, who was, a very, uh, who was a part of the Jewish Sanhedrin. And if you know anything about the Jewish custom, the Sanhedrin was the ruling body, if you will, in that part of the world. Uh, they made the decisions. Uh, they were like the Supreme Court, if you will. They didn't just make uh, legal decisions. They were political decisions, biblical, spiritual. I mean, they were the leading body, and Paul, as a child, was being raised up to be a part of the Sanhedrin. In other words, he was being raised to be one of the most powerful men in the world. And if you read this text tonight, he talks about that a little bit because he says he was a pure Jew. In other words, he could boast in who he was and his background because he came from wealth. He came from a notable family. He came from people who were known in that part of the world. And then what I love about the story is if you read the book of Acts, God always has a plan that supersedes our plan. Paul, Saul, let me keep saying Saul for just a few moments. uh, But Saul was a young man who was very zealous for his relationship with what he thought was relationship with God. Uh, He said he persecuted the church. He said, I had great zeal. In other words, I consented that people would even be put to death under the guides of being zealous for God. Are you that zealous for God? The religious world? And Paul was a part of that religious world. He was a part of that. He was raised to do great things. But you know what? God interrupted his life. And when God interrupted his life, he introduced him to the very name that he disdained the most, the very person that he hated the most. Because when Paul or Saul was in school training, you got to keep this in mind. When he gets back home to begin to take his place and to begin to, uh, to go and learn and be a part of the Sanhedrin, he begins to learn of a new group of people in the world. There was a movement going on. And he had heard about a young man who was born in Bethlehem. He had heard about this young man and he had grown and there were many followers of this man. And then, of course, the cross came and Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead. And, and then they if you look at the New Testament, the book of Acts, they were known as people of the way. They were known as Christians. And at the beginning, Christian wasn't really a good term. It was a term that was used to categorize people who followed Jesus, which was in that part of the world, people didn't want to be a part of that. And you got to remember, Paul was raised to go contrary to Christianity. So when his family learned of his uh, relationship or newfound relationship with Jesus Christ, they disowned him. I want to talk to you just a few moments about that because it's important. Saul... Hated Jesus. He hated those who were in the way. He persecuted them, even to the point, if you read Acts chapter 7, there was a young man by the name of Stephen, or Stephen as some call him, that Paul consented to his death and threw stones at him and had him killed. Why would he have this young man killed? Because he named the name of Jesus Christ. And after this, If you read Acts chapter 9, Saul at that time now, he had gone to see the hierarchy, and he received letters, and those letters gave him the authority that anybody who named the name of Jesus Christ was to be arrested or thrown in jail or, worst case, they would be killed. Would you follow him then? And while he was on his way to carry out the duty, that he had been given, than the authority. The Bible tells us that a light shined about him while he was on the road to Damascus. And Paul fell to his knees and began to say, Who are you, Lord? And there were men with him, and those men heard the voice, but they didn't see him. And then the voice that rang out of that light said, I am Jesus, the one who you persecute. And this young man who was destined to be great in Jewish culture, said yes to Jesus Christ. And for three days he was blind. And a young man by the name of Ananias was called to come and lay hands on him that he would receive his sight. Just a little background. And when God told Ananias to go pray for Saul, Ananias said, God, I can't go pray for him because he's the one who's throwing all of us in jail. He's the one who's having and wreaking havoc in the church. And God said, yeah, but I've called him. Go and lay hands on him. And I love it because when Ananias showed up, he showed up, and when he saw him, he looked at him and said, Brother Saul, the one who persecuted the church now had received the greatest title that any of us, not apostle, not pastor, not preacher, not evangelist, but brother." Because brother means I'm in the family. A lot of people have a title, but do we have relationship? And that's what we're going to get into tonight in just a few moments. But now if if you think about all of that for just a moment, the riches and the title and the clout and all of what he had. When you read the text, Paul says if anybody could have confidence in the flesh, it could be me. He says, I was circumcised. I was a purebred Jew. As a matter of fact, I was a Pharisee. Why would he use the word Pharisee? In other words, I was an expert in the law. He says, I know more about this Bible than most of you will forget. He said, I know the Bible like the back of my hand. I know Jewish custom. I know the law. I was trained under one of the finest lawgivers and the people who knew the law in the world named Gamaliel. He said, I know everything about it. He said, but this is the thing that I want to tell the church of Philippi. All of my accomplishments are nothing. All of the things that I've attained in this life, I now realize that they were a waste. Because now I have gained something that is much more valuable than money. It's much more valuable than clout and having my name known. It's much more valuable than who my family is. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to notice he was not talking about preaching right now. He was talking about his own relationship with God. A lot of preachers Oftentimes we are guilty of just preaching. But a lot of times we preach about a man that we really don't know. A lot of times we sing about somebody that we really don't know. But tonight I want to just talk for a few moments, moments about relationship. I don't want to just preach a sermon. I know I'm here tonight to preach. But I, I would hope to challenge all of us and myself to, to check ourselves for just a moment and say, Lord, am I just working in the church or am I just singing? Am I just preaching? Am I just being an usher? Am I just working sound or doing whatever I do? But, or do I have relationship? relationship with you because in this journey oftentimes we can get kind of caught up in what we do as opposed to who we are and that's what Paul I feel took a few moments and took some liberty in this letter to a church that he loved the church of Philippi a church that had taken care of Paul the book of joy Paul writes to them Even in verse 1, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. In chapter 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, Rejoice. And then in chapter 3, he tells them, he says, This is who I am, and this is what I've given up. And one thing that stood out to me was because of who his family was, you got to remember, they didn't like Christianity. They didn't want to have any. Why did they hate Jesus so much? Because when Jesus came, he disrupted what they wanted to do. That's what the gospel does. It disrupts. Why do you think there's so much persecution to the church? The true church of the Lord Jesus Christ is because the true gospel of Jesus Christ is going to disrupt what many think is the norm. Are y'all with me tonight? If you think about the norm, what is the norm in our society? There is a new normal. Amen, somebody. There's a new normal, but the church has to stand up and not preach church theology, but preach the Bible. And say, well, this is not a new norm. This is what God said life is. This is what God said marriage is. This is what God said gender is. This is what God said. This is what God said. He said if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. That's what the Bible says. So when you study it out, it kind of makes you realize if you read the book of Acts, the church in the book of Acts was persecuted not because of their political affiliation but because of what they preached and what they lived. They were persecuted. But every time they were persecuted, the Bible says they were scattered. But when they scattered, the church grew because Satan can't stop the true church. He said, I give all of this up. And now... We got another thing here, which I know hurts. The text doesn't bear it out, but if you read and understand the culture, he lost his family. And that's tough. That's tough. Because his family was a notable people in the community. And now their son who they raised to be this great Jewish leader and a part of the Sanhedrin. They were so proud of him. And then they get word that he's spreading this gospel of Jesus Christ. And they said, Saul, we can't. We can't let you come home, son. We can't deal with you no more because you've embarrassed us. You've humiliated us. But Paul said this. He said... For whatsoever things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. He said, I forfeited all of those things. Give me just a few moments tonight, and I'll get into this. He said, I forfeit all of those things. He said, I count all of them lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Studying this, this is what this means. He was not saying, so to speak, that he wanted Christ's knowledge to be in him. But what he was really saying was, The excellency of knowing who Christ is. Intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You got to remember, he had been living for God now for some 20 years or more. All of this time he was living for Jesus and serving Jesus and preaching the gospel. And he came to the conclusion that my greatest attainment in life It's not my Jewish culture. It is not my family. It is not my money. It is not how many churches that I've planted and built. It's not the people who know me or call my name. He said the greatest accomplishment is the fact that I have relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that your pursuit tonight? I fear that the pursuit of the church has become money. Clout. I fear that we have been consumed with brand building. We want people to know who we are. We're consumed with being known. Consumed with with with. You know, I, I, I hate to say this. I don't say this with. I say it with a broken heart. You know, if, if you know anything about network marketing, you know that's unfortunately what we're doing in church. Not all churches. But in a lot of our communities of Christianity, we're connecting and connecting. And, you know, you get more people. And the more people you got, the more money you get. And that's what it becomes. It becomes about money. It becomes about followers. It becomes about people. It becomes about everything else. But if we ever lose focus of true relationship, then we're pursuing in vain. if it it becomes about something else, if it becomes about Nash and me trying to build that name and people to know who I am, then it won't prosper for the kingdom of God. He said that I might know him. If I don't preach another sermon, if I don't sing another song, if my life ends tonight, I want to know Jesus Christ. The preaching is not who I am. The song is not who I am. It's my relationship with him. He said this. He said I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ righteousness which is of God by faith and I keep looking at this and I keep reading it now I know Paul talks about preaching I know Paul preaches you know several things about the proclamation of the gospel and I'm not in the game that is vital we know that content is vital doctrine is vital truth is vital but in this text he said nothing about preaching it was all about relationship because if you don't have relationship What good is a sermon? It can tickle the fans, the ears of people. It can, you know, but when you preach from relationship, when you preach from experience, when you sing from experience and when I mean, when you minister from your experience, this man was not just talking. This man had to give up some things for the cause of Christ. This man had been shipwrecked. This man had been hungry. This man had been arrested and beaten with 39 stripes. He was left for dead, bitten by venomous snakes and left for dead he was talked about he was humiliated he was stoned and he said yes it was all worth it for the cause of Christ he said this is who I am and when we start to really understand that this is what it's about it's about relationship it's about knowing him it changes everything it changes who you are it changes your approach because if it's about church, most of us know how to do church. We come, we start at 10, we start, you know, back home, we start at 10, we start at 7, uh, and then we, we do what we do, we sing, we preach, we take up an offering, and then we go home. If it's just about church, then you know what we do, we go back to what we were. Amen, somebody. So church becomes a performance. Church becomes what I do. But when it's really about relationship, this becomes a byproduct. This is because I am in relationship. This is not my relationship. This is a product of my relationship. Are y'all with me tonight? I'm not here to try to establish relationship with Christ. I'm already in relationship with Christ. You should be in relationship with Christ. So when we get here, we should be building each other up. We should be praying for one another. We should be loving one another. Why? Because we are in relationship with Christ. This is not a show. It's not a game. It's not just something we do. And that's what's happening. Church is becoming something we do. Pastoring is something we do. We don't care about people. We just care about attendance and tithe. And then we go home and count the money. No, it's a labor of love. And sometimes the money is low. But you got to keep pressing. Because I know him. I thank God for relationships. I, I met these brothers some years ago, but they were saved before they knew me. They're not right with God because they know me. Are y'all here with me tonight? You get what I'm saying? They're not right with God because they know me. They're right with God because they accepted Jesus Christ. He said, I, this is what I like. He said, being found in him not having my own righteousness, when people see me, when people see you, what do they see? Do they see religious activity? Or but do they see things that are birthed out of our relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, works has gotten a bad name in the church now. You know, because obviously we, we don't believe legalism can save you. Amen. Works can't save you. Works cannot make you holy. Having said that, James said there should be some works in the Christian's life. Well, I'm saved. I'm not legalistic. I'm not going to do nothing, man. I'm just not just going to just no church, no, no, no prayer, no reading of the word. I'm resting in Christ. I'm just I'm where I got to be, man. Because I don't want to get caught up in legalism. Let me tell you something. Being disciplined in your walk with God is not legalism. We, we cannot present it that way. It is not legalism to pray. It is not le- it's legalism if I put my faith in those things, thinking if I do this and present it to God as the means of righteousness, that's when it becomes legalism. But if I know that I'm not saved because of what I do, I'm saved because of who he is and what he's done. My faith is in him and his power of the spirit is telling me to pray. The power of the spirit is telling me to fast. It's telling me to read the word of God. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him. I was reading and, uh, they say that the life of a, a Muslim, very disciplined life, a devout Muslim, let me say that. Five times a day, you pray. You abstain from anything, from a pig or, or a dirty animal. I mean, they are very strict. And if you're really devout, one of the most important things that they can do in their life is take a trip. To what they call the holy city of Mecca. Most of you know this probably. And that's what they call living. That's what they call living. If I could just get there. But Christianity is not works based in that regard. It's relationship based. And true Christianity is that I may know him and pursue him. It's a lifelong journey of realizing that I know that in this life I'm not going to reach perfection, but I'm going to live like I'm going to get there. Are y'all getting me tonight? In other words, I don't settle and just say, well, God knows my heart. I'm not perfect, so I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, live how I want to live. No, I'm in constant pursuit of Christ. This is what Paul said. He said, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. He's not talking about the rapture. A lot of times we see the word resurrection, we think, oh, the rapture. No, Paul is saying this. He says, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that took power. Amen. Everybody ought to agree on that. A man who was dead and then all of a sudden he just walks out of a tomb. That was power. He said, I want that power to be evident in my everyday life. He said, that's what I want to experience. A lot of folks want to meet the the celebrity and meet, you know, that's a lot of people's goal in life. Oh, if I could just meet this person. Oh, if I could just meet that person, I'll feel accomplished. You know what? You would be accomplished if you could just meet Jesus. Just to know him. Just to, and this is what I love because I, I was thinking, if you read the Old Testament, There's a young man in the Old Testament, he was a servant of Abraham, and his name was Eliezer. Eliezer had one job. Go and find a wife, find a bride for Isaac. That's all you got to do. And this is what I love about that story. As I've been sharing it where I go, because when Eliezer went to find this young lady, he found her. She was everything that God wanted her to be. But there was a journey that he and this woman had to take before they met Isaac. Are y'all with me right there? The journey was long, but the journey wasn't silent. The whole journey, Eliezer was telling this young lady what kind of man Isaac was. And so now she had fallen in love with a man that she had never met. Are y'all with me right there? That was a type of the Holy Spirit, and that's a type of us in the church. This is a journey. This is a daily walk. But you know what he's doing? In you, in me, he's glorifying Christ. And you and I should be in love with Jesus Christ, falling in love with him over and over again, not just Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of our lives. And one day when the trump of God sounds, you and I are going to finally see him, and it will be worth the insult. It will be worth the heartache and the pain and the sleepless nights and the insult and the betrayal. It will be worth the pain. Pain makes you want to throw in the towel sometimes. But he said this, because this is not a trouble-free life. He said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I wanna, I don't want to just know you, and then when it comes to suffering, fall back. He said, I want to know you. I want to be like you. I want to participate in every aspect of who you are, who you were. If that means I've got to suffer, then that means I've got to suffer. But the old saints used to say, if I suffer, then one day I'm going to see him. If I suffer now, that's all right because one day I'm going to look him in his eyes that I might know him. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to, because see, I haven't arrived at this. I I haven't comprehended it all and it's a lifelong journey. That's why it's a search, not a search of speculation, of wondering if he is the way. But there's a witness in my heart that says he is the way. And so there's a search every day. I want to know more about him, so I'm going to read his word. I want to know more about him, so I'm going to pray and be in his presence. Father, I don't want to just pray to get something from you. I just want to pray to tell you how wonderful you are. I want to tell you how great you are. I want to tell you how good you've been to me. That's what prayer is. I want to know him. I want to know him. Paul said that I might know him. He said now I know I've said all of this. He said but I'm not saying that I've attained already. Or that I've apprehended. What does that mean? Apprehend means to take hold of and to pull it down. That's what apprehend means. That means to grab it, and pull it down. This is what I love about that text. He said, I have not yet taken hold of that for which I have been apprehended. He said, Christ apprehended you for a specific purpose. What is that purpose? To be like Him. And Paul said, When I look at my life and I look at Jesus, I realize I haven't yet apprehended. That for which I have been apprehended. He said, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to forget about the things that are in the past. He said, I'm going to forget about my accomplishments. I'm going to forget about my family. I'm going to forget about all of that. And I'm going to press toward the mark. What is the mark? The mark is Christ's likeness. That removes competition in us and competing Anybody can. If I look at Brown, I'm going to always think I'm better than you. Am I, see, we don't like to talk about self. There's no way you're going to look at somebody else and say they're better than you. Let me preach over here because some of y'all won't say amen. Let me talk to AJ. Okay. Because I know. TJ told me the other day. He said, you can't beat Michael Jordan. He said, yes, I can. I said, Lord, have mercy. Because it's something in us, amen, self. But when you look at Jesus, it has to, it has to humble you. It's, it has to humble you when you look at him and realize, my I haven't gotten there yet. I've been living for God 20 to 30 years and I haven't gotten there yet. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to press. That's not a legalistic term. That means with the help of the Holy Spirit, every single day, I'm going to look to him. I'm going to put faith in him and what he did for me at the cross. And I'm going to keep pressing toward the mark. That's why you can't throw in the towel. That's why you can't quit. Because you got to know him. I'm going to close this in just a moment. Out of all of the accomplishments, Paul said, I'm giving all of that up. Matter of fact, he said, I don't even, I'm not going to be known as Saul, that great name in Jewish culture. He said, I'm going to give up my Jewish name. Y'all call me Paul, my Gentile name. God, if you want to send me to the Gentiles, the people who are completely different from me, I'll go. Isaiah said, send me, I'll go. Isaiah said, woe is Judah, woe is Judah, woe is Judah, woe is Judah, woe, woe, woe. But then Isaiah saw the presence of God, and then Isaiah said, woe is me. Job said a whole lot in his life, but when he got in the presence of God, he said, I am vile. It's something about when you really get close to God, you begin to understand how much you are really lacking and how much you really need Him. And then He closes and says, and I'm going to bring all of this back to verse 10. He said, I've had a lot of money, I've had fame, fortune, I've had notoriety. I mean, who would give up being able to be a part of the Sanhedrin? If you were selected to serve on the Supreme Court, would you give it up to follow Jesus? How many of us would really do that? I heard Brother Swaggart say one time, it was some of the truest words I've ever heard, He said a preacher of the gospel would have to take a demotion to become the president of the United States of the gospel, of the United States of America. Think about that for just a moment. Because that's not the highest office in the land. Naturally, it is. But spiritually, how precious are the feet of them who carry this gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul said, I I love being a preacher, but I'll tell you what I love more than being a preacher. I love knowing Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what I love more than being black, and that is being a preacher. Of the gospel yes but being a follower of Jesus Christ and far too often in this society we have put ethnicity we have put political affiliation we have put everything and we've tied it all into our faith I want to tell you tonight let it all go I don't want to be known as anything but a follower of Jesus Christ I know how I look and I'm not ashamed of it I'm proud of who I am and anybody who knows me knows that but I'm more proud to say that I know Jesus Christ than any other accomplishment in this world. I love everything God has done for me. I love looking and seeing what happens. I, people say, filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you strip all of that away, the question is, do I know Him? And that's the question that we have to answer tonight. Would you stand to your feet? Do you know Him? I know how to get to church, I know how to sing. I know how to put a sermon together. I've learned under some great preachers. I've sat, I've had the privilege of myself to be connected with great preachers, to sit under great preachers, to, I mean, students of the Bible, Bible college teachers and professors uh, sat down and taught, and I love all of those things, and they have made me who I am today. But that's nothing if I don't know Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to, leave you with tonight. Singers and musicians, you can come. Do you know Jesus? It's time out for religion. Religion, you know, can get us so far. Because when we start to know him, there's character change. There's lifestyle change. I can't just treat people the way I want to treat them. I can't just not forgive people. I can't just go around doing and saying what I want to say. I want to be a follower of Christ and I want my life to be an example. I'll say it as my friend Keith would say there ought to be a demonstration of Jesus. We've got a proclamation and we need a pro- proclamation, but we need to have a demonstration of Jesus Christ as well. What does that mean? That means when I'm, when the sermon is over, when the song is over, when the lights in the building are off and I have to leave out of this building, that relationship needs to be evident in my life, on my job, in my school, wherever I am, that relationship needs to be evident in my life. And whatever you guys have to sing or a worship, I'm going to ask you tonight as they sing and worship, I don't know what you are dealing with or what you may be going through, what God has been dealing with you about. God has been dealing with me about a lot. He's pouring into me, breaking me, and I, you know, you got to shed a lot of tears when God starts to break you. Because he breaks through that old wall of flesh, and I know this and I know that, and he breaks you down and say, you don't know what you think you know. If you're here tonight and you just want, as the old saints would say, a closer walk with Jesus, I want to ask you to come around this altar tonight and let's just pray together. Let's pray for the remaining services, but let's pray for our personal walks tonight. As they sing, I'm just going to ask you to begin to come around this altar tonight and just say, Lord, check my heart. Am I just going through the motions or am I really saved and living for you lord challenge my heart tonight challenge everything about me shake everything about me don't let me leave this place like i came don't let me go through the motions tonight but father challenge me shake my faith shake everything about me and lord help me to come closer to where you want me to be hallelujah worship Him. Just worship Him. Just worship Him tonight. Hallelujah. Just cry your heart out to Him tonight. Pour your heart out to Him. blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you, and God bless you and your family.